And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Wow. It shouldn't take this long. Welcome to the Weekend Update with Dave DeFore and Keith Parrish. Every Monday on The Athletic NBA Show. It did the same thing to me that it's intended to do to the world. Ding, ding. I have access to information wow. that the public doesn't. I'm going to laugh at that video every time. Hello and welcome <laughs> to the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. I am Dave DeFore here with Moke to Keel for the opening weekend of the NBA playoffs recap. Mo, we're live on YouTube. Big weekend, big games, and let's start with what I think was oh, probably oh, the Oh, oh, the, just, just Dave, we got to let the people know. Oh, we're yes. playing with fire here, Pope. Well, we're taking, we're taking a serious risk. We are starting this before the last game has ended. I don't know. I'm nervous about it. It's a 30-point game with eight minutes left in the first, fourth quarter. I don't know. The Wolves might mount an unbelievable comeback. I am a little bit concerned. Um, I'm absolutely not because I've watched enough Wolves <laughs> basketball this season. If they had the lead, I would be very worried. But since it's the Denver Nuggets, the one seed, I do assume that they're going to hold on and take – I mean, this is – this series is going to be short anyway. They're going to take a 1-0 lead uh, with a They just home put win. Jokic back in. It's, it's, it's threatening time. They just put Jokic back in. Yeah, time, time to wrap it up. But let's start in Phoenix with the 4-5 matchup, Mo. And look, this was Kawhi Leonard's day. But Russell Westbrook kind of stole the show late. Russell Westbrook had an incredible final five minutes. And he was 3 of 19 in the game, Mo. But when it mattered, he made winning plays. And this is sort of the Russell Westbrook experience for the Clippers when he plays, you know, his guts out, you can't help but root for this guy. And sometimes it comes up in a good way for them. I mean, he had monster rebounds down the stretch, two offensive rebounds. I I think he finished with five offensive rebounds for the game. I think just the way he played in this fourth quarter in the final five minutes, just keeping the ball alive, helping the Clippers kind of just barely hang on to this lead in a situation where like it was a very impressive win for me when I was watching the Clippers going like, this is actually one of those things where they showed a lot of heart. Kawhi was absolutely phenomenal. And he has been like the last few weeks of the season. Like he really has been on a tear. And this is one of those things where you're like, okay, like this is Kawhi. Like, can he keep it up? Is everybody else around him? And if they're going to get, look, we can't hide it. Three and 19 is brutal on the offensive end, but you know, he made a, Russ made a monster play at the end of the game, blocking Devin Booker's shot. And then while Booker's looking for the foul call, throws the ball off Booker. Like that was a huge play right there. There was a lot of things there about Russ, but it's the Russell Westbrook experience, as you said, even as some fans found out at halftime. Yeah, and listen, uh, three of 19 in game one and they get a win. Maybe he just got that out of the way. Maybe, you know, There's no way he can be any worse than three of 19. So that's a good thing. You mentioned you, Kawhi. Wait. <laughs> That's a bit, Kawhi, right? like... Kawhi dominated in this game. I mean, he had 38 points, 
was 13 of 24 from the field and, and just generally looked unbothered by the Suns defense, I, I would say. Uh, obviously, the Clippers lean so much on that heavy isolation basketball that they play. And then everything else that they get that's good comes out of that. I thought they left some on the table. Mo. They, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, especially from three. They only had 10 threes in this game. Uh, this I thought that not only is it good that they won this game, you know, they go in, they steal home court advantage away from the Suns, but they left some on the table. I think they can play a little bit better in game two. Yeah, I mean, I think they there was some stuff there. I don't know if they can play that much better, Dave. I think, honestly, this is kind of their, their peak level of where they're at. I think when you're watching the way they play, this is kind of who they're going to be without Paul George. You know, they're going to need some other guys to step up. Norman Powell made some big plays coming off the bench, finished with 14 points in just 23 minutes. But, like, I thought he had some good stuff driving to the basket and, and staying aggressive with those things. Zubach was awesome. I think, you know, another double-double for him with the way he's playing and being, you know, very quietly a very dominant big man that is just very under-discussed. And I think that's one of those things that is pretty good. I don't know if they could play much better, Dave. And I don't know if the, the Suns are going to play as poorly to start the game as they did in this one. Yeah, I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, they didn't really shoot the ball well the entire game. Only 6 of 19 from 3. That 19 number for the Suns is extremely low. Kevin Durant didn't score in the first quarter, but then turned it on in the second quarter, had 17 points. And the guy who kind of showed up in, you know, in a surprising way was Torrey Craig. I mean, he was incredible. Every single time the double came to Kevin Durant, it seemed like the ball found Torrey Craig. He was 9 of 12 from the field, hit a couple of big threes for them, and kept a minute at one point where the rest of the guys just couldn't get anything going in the third quarter. Well, I mean, Torrey Craig is going to be one of the most important pieces for the Suns' playoff run. And Yes, you heard me correctly. Torrey Craig will be one of the most important pieces in the sense of the Clippers just weren't guarding him at all. Refused constantly. And I think, you know, go to double KD, go double Devin Booker, and the ball would find Craig because those guys are willing passers. They trusted him, and he made shots, and he made the Clippers pay for that. He kept them close in the relatively close in the first quarter, I should say. But when they got going in the second quarter and began to, began to find their flow and everything and started hitting their mid-range shots, Craig came up huge for them across the board. Like, that was a monster game. But, Dave, we also got to talk about Devin Booker's defense. Because that might have been the best defense I've ever seen Devin Booker play. I mean, listen, he he works hard on defense. And any of his defensive shortcomings that were earlier in his career were never about effort. He has gotten to be one of the most tenacious two-way players in the league. I mean, we know what he does from the mid-range and how he operates in the pick-and-roll offensively. But his defense, you mentioned Zubac not being talked about very much. We never mentioned Devin Booker as one of the better star guards that, that plays defense. You know, we know he's an offensive star, but this game, I, I thought that he was fantastic. Yeah, I just thought the plays he was making down the stretch too, that big steal on the when they're trying to enter the ball in the post on Kawhi, ball's going out of bounds. He makes a big save, kicks it out to, I think it was Landry Shamit who's on the fast break. It was Shaman or Craig, excuse me. A lot of basketball today, so I might have forgotten uh, who was who. But, uh, you know, makes a big bucket right there. Like, he four blocks, four steals. Like, he was making a ton of plays across the board with everything he was doing. I, again, was very impressed with with what they're doing. Oh, uh, Dave, the, the Wolves are making a little bit of a run, man. 27-point game with uh, Edwards going to the line. Kind of dangerous. You're not going to scare me with this one, Mo. Uh, let me just ask you about might, what's the I big might. adjustment you want to see from the Suns in game two? Is it just a little bit of 
play better, make more shots? Or, or is there something a little bit more concrete? I think they need to be a little bit more aggressive from the three-point line. I think, you know, like you said, to start with 19 threes is not a lot of threes. I mean, it, the Clippers made 10. Like, just think about it that way. It's, it's one of those things, like, they need to get a little more shots from that stuff. I want to see DeAndre Ayton play more aggressive basketball around the rim. You know, he had 18 points. He had a fine game. But there were a couple of possessions where I honestly felt like he needs to go up and dunk the ball. And it's not even about getting the dunk. It's about drawing the foul. You're not going to get the foul call when you're going into your touch, when you're going into, you know, fading away from the basket. You need to go up and be aggressive and dunk the ball. There was a great play. Chris Paul driving down the lane. It's in the second quarter. Looked like he had a a, a dunk. Really just dropped a beautiful pass to eight. And, and he, he, he goes up soft. And I think that was kind of the problem there. So I think that those are some of the things I want to see from them. Overall, I think the Suns are going to be fine. I'm yeah. not too worried about them. I don't think they're going to start the game as badly as they did. I think they'll find their offense earlier in their rhythm. And I think this was a good way for them to kind of get this loss off their back and get moving. Yeah, for Aiton, I mean, he just he is so good in the mid-range that he does tend to settle. And he was stroking him from the mid-range in, in the game today. I mean, they were wide open and he was taking them. But I'm with you. I do want to see him just generate some force inside. And again, it's a way to just get Zoo into some foul trouble, which should hopefully open up the paint. But I will note here, Ty Lue did not play small ball, which has been a pet peeve for, for you and me uh, when talking about the Clippers. It was 48 minutes of of big center basketball between Zoo and Plumley. So I think that clearly, like, they're worried about the size that Phoenix can throw out there. Um, yeah, game one went really, really well for the Clippers. Speaking of game ones, oh, yes, sir. Just oh, one you got more a quick more? note. Kawhi played 41 minutes in this game. That's going to be something to just keep an eye on, on how his minutes go with, with all the stuff. He's carrying a massive load. He did a great job defending KD, was all over the place kind of defensively, and then had to do carry the load offensively. Just keep an eye on that if that starts to kind of wear on him as the series goes on. Yeah, well, uh, like I said, speaking of game ones, we had a game one in Sacramento for the first time in a really long time, Mo. And the Kings lit the beam. They did not disappoint. They beat... The reigning champion, Golden State Warriors, 126-123. to 123. De'Aaron Fox is the story of this game to me, and, and Malik Monk, who we'll get to in a second. But De'Aaron Fox had 38 points, Mo, and just down the stretch, did everything that he's done all season. He really controlled the pace. He, this is part of his growth and maturity as a player. We used to talk about how he was 150 miles an hour every possession, and now he's figured out how to throw some off-speed stuff out there every now and then, and it really has paid off for them. And finally, they get a playoff victory. First playoff appearance I mean, in a long time. First playoff victory. And first off, shout out to the crowd. They were rocking. I loved every bit of it. They were rolling with everything that they had, given this this team everything they had. And it was kind of reminded me a little bit of those days with Chris Webber, uh, Jason Williams, Mike Bibby, all that stuff, when you had the really fun Sacramento Kings time. So this was pretty impressive with everything that they had going. Fox was unstoppable in the fourth quarter. We've seen this pretty much all season. That's why he's going to win the clutch award. You know, he, or he should at the very least. 15 points in the fourth quarter. Like the Warriors had no answers for stopping him down the stretch. It was a massive problem for them. Inability to contain his drives. He was getting whatever he wanted. Didn't matter who was on him. He, made, he got some buckets on Draymond in a way where I was very surprised in the sense of how little resistance Draymond was able to put up against him. You know, and, and it was just a pretty 
all around impressive performance from the Sacramento Kings. Yeah, Malik Monk came off the bench, 32 points. The shot making in the fourth quarter of this game, Mo, it was it, from both teams call, was absurd. It yeah, it wasn't a roller coaster. It was really like I don't know. It was like a tennis match. It was back and forth, and it was just a lot of guys hitting shots. And the Warriors did not shoot all that well, really, the whole game until the fourth quarter, and they just started hitting video game shots. 16 of 50 from three for the Warriors, which kind of wound up being the story of the game for them. Uh, you know, the the number that there was the a, Warriors... There was a sequence. Sorry, I just got to interrupt you. There was yeah. a sequence in the fourth quarter to go to your shot making. Clay Thompson hits an incredibly tough three. De'Aaron Fox comes down, knocks down a three. The next possession for the Warriors, Clay Thompson's driving baseline. Curry is shooting an even more difficult shot that I've that Clay Thompson, who had a defender basically in his shorts at the time, is shooting a shot behind the backboard. And the arc has to be so perfect that it goes over the corner of the backboard to drop in the rim. It was just perfect and exquisite type of stuff. And then I believe Fox came down and knocked down another three. Like that was kind of the shot making sequence we had in this game when you when you talk about it. Like that was one of those things that was super impressive. Yeah, it was one of these games where both teams kind of had me giggling with some of the stuff that they were able to pull off. And I mean, it was just a joyful basketball watching experience for me. The number that that Warriors fans are going to hang their hats on. Plus 11 for Steph Curry in 37 minutes. And, you know, they're already asking, should Steph have played more? And Mo, at this point in the game, when the Warriors have had this much success in the postseason, when these questions are asked after game one, do you just get tired of this? I mean. Look, we watched the Warriors in game one of the finals. Everyone was asking, should Steph play more? And then by game five, by game six, Steph Curry's still running around out there like an energizer bunny, and everyone else looks exhausted. Is it? Are we at the point where this is just a kind of a tiresome conversation when it comes to Steph Curry's minutes? Or do you think, hey, you know what? Kawhi Leonard played 42 minutes tonight. Why can't Steph Curry give us 40 minutes in game one? No, I think it's one of those things you want to be careful about blowing your wad in the first game. First game of the playoffs. Forget about just game one of a series. Like, I think very first game of the playoffs and trying to just burn out Steph is something I would be kind of concerned about. And I get it from where the fans are coming from. And this game was so tight. And if we didn't, you know, listen, the Warriors had a 10-point lead midway through the third when Steph went to the bench. And that got completely wiped away by De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. And I totally get the frustration with everything like that. But I don't know, like, Curry played 38 minutes. That's a lot in the first playoff game. I think you guys kind of, you got to sort of let this sort of build as we're going through it. And I think that's what the Warriors are kind of doing it. And listen, this was a hell of a game. It came down to the wire. Andrew Wiggins had a wide open three that would have tied this game. And honestly, we might be talking a whole different story in that scenario had that gone in. So, I mean, this, they got the shots they were looking for. They just didn't knock them down. I'm not going to freak out too much for the Warriors. I'm not looking at this as, oh, they lost game one. They're in real trouble. I'm more just like, okay, the the Kings, this was a bigger win for the Kings. And we should spend a little more time talking about them than it was than it was a, a, a bad loss for the Warriors. This was more of a moment for the Kings that I think needs to be celebrated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about Sabonis a little bit. This was, you know, a, a kind of a rough game for Sabonis. 12, uh, 12 points, 16 rebounds. Thought Kavon Looney and Draymond Green really bothered him for the first three quarters of the game. Um, and, and even a little bit in the fourth, but he was kind of marginalized by his own own team quite a bit because they were just hitting so many threes. What did you think about Sabonis? And it, do you think that there's a way to to sort of for the Kings to counteract 
Looney and Draymond defense. You know, we talked about this on Nerder. They're gonna they're making him pick the ball up higher to run those DHOs out around the top of the key versus the elbow. Um, you know, what do you think Sabonis can do to kind of take advantage of what they're leaving on the table for him? You know, this is this is probably gonna suck to say, but I don't think this is a good series for Sabonis, just in the pure sense of one of DeMontis Sabonis' biggest advantage is his strength. Well, he's running up against a wall on Kevon Looney and a wall in Draymond Green. Like, it's not a, uh easy sort of, these aren't guys you can easily push around a lot. And I think that's, those are the things I would be a little bit concerned as Kings fans, because he did look like he struggled and was dealing with their length and things like that. Looney was outstanding in this game. I felt like this was one of those things where, you know, Sabonis is going to have to find his way and really battle through. But if the Kings are going to win this series, it's going to be off the play of guys like the Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and Kevin Herter can't go 0 for whatever he did from three in this game. Like They're going to need those guys to really kind of carry the load because that's where you want to attack the Warriors. Is Can those guards, can they make Steph have to defend those guys? When Poole's in the game, can you make Poole have to defend those guys? That's going to be the important aspect of this game. I think this is a tough one for Sabonis. I don't know if there's much they can do to help him. He's going up against really solid, solid defenders, and it's going to be a challenge for him. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to say something that sounds crazy, but this could be a decent series for Alex Len. The one thing that the Warriors really struggle against is real size, and Alex Len is a seven-footer, and when he was out there, he was making things happen, got his hands on a lot of balls, and he got seven rebounds in only 13 minutes that he was out there, but he was disrupting things inside, and I wonder if Sabonis struggles a little bit, maybe we see Alex Len get a little bit more run, and I, like, again, that's... Not a problem that the Kings want to run into, but Alex Lynn's size really does give him a little bit of an advantage. Are you ready to talk charges, Mo? This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, Dave, am I? Okay, so the next two games were marred by the worst play in basketball, and that is the block charge underneath the basket. Let's start with the Lakers and Grizzlies, and we're just going to get the charge thing out of the way because it did kind of just, it, it messed the whole game up for a lot of us. John Morant gets called for a charge, and it is it was a legit charge. Anthony Davis draws a charge on John Morant, who's attacking the basket. Well, John Morant lands with his hands extended, and the x-rays on that hand and those fingers are negative, but we don't know if he's going to be available to play in game two. He was out for the remainder of game one. So they got 30 minutes of John Morant, but that was it. And Mo, look, the, we'll get to it with, you know, with the Bucks. Same thing happens with Giannis. There's a charge. He falls on his back. He's injured. He's out for the game. We still don't know his status for game two. This, this play has driven me nuts my entire life. It, it is the worst play in sports. 
It makes no sense for a league that should care about entertainment value and safety to keep this in. They either got to get rid of it or the charge circle needs to come way out because the charge circle is not made for modern day athletes, Mo. I mean, I just think they need to get rid of it. I think the way they are going about it, like even the charge circle doesn't stop it. Guys, it's not a basketball play to rotate over and just stand there. That's not a basketball play. I'm sorry. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's not a basketball play, plain and simple. AD trying to take a charge on a night when he had seven blocks, that should have been him going after his eighth block. And those are the things I think that really makes a difference that you have to look at. We need to encourage these guys to try to make plays and actual basketball plays and play defense in that sense. It's a dangerous play for one. We just saw it, it took out two stars. And Dave, forget marring just game ones. These might actually change series. If John ja Morant's going to miss the game on Wednesday, and he's already said to uh, ESPN, Tim McMahon's, or he might have said it in the post-game show conference, press conference, that he's game two is in jeopardy for him. That's a big deal right there. And I think that's one of those things. You just got to get rid of that call. This is going to change the series. It's going to be a big advantage for the Lakers if Ja's not able to go. I think what you got to watch for in this is that, hey, we can make it easier for the defenders. Let's loosen the verticality rules. Let's make it a little lighter for them and give them a chance to actually defend when they're coming up there and, and not make it so just straight up and down. Let's, let's try to tweak it a little bit. But let's make these guys play defense. And I think that's the most important thing about it and, and, and the largest aspect because it's also the toughest call for the refs to make. It's so quick, bang, bang. How many calls have we seen where we're like, well, that's 50-50. I could see that either way. Why put that on the refs? That's not fair to them. I think it's just the, the, the worst thing you could have, the rotate over and take a charge situation. I think it's bad basketball and it's dangerous basketball. Basketball is a contact sport. That is a collision. That is a sport. That is an action that belongs in football. That is not a basketball action right there. Need to get rid of it from the game. Yeah, and another way you could do that is just allow the defense to actually make some contact on the perimeter. Hand checking, it, it works in Europe. I mean, it, these guys, when they go and play FIBA basketball, it takes them a game or two, but they adjust and we get a better game. So that's it. We're, we're off the charge now. And uh, the Lakers, they were off Huge. their rockers, man. This is a massive win for them. 16 of 37 from three, 128-112. They beat the Grizzlies. They steal home court advantage. And we got to talk about this game that Anthony Davis put up because it was it was a masterpiece. 37 I'm, minutes, I'm, 22 I'm, points. I'm going I'm to interrupt you. I'm going to interrupt okay. you. I need to step in here. We're not going to talk about Anthony. We're not going to start with Anthony Davis's great game, okay? Okay. We got to talk about Rui Hachimura turning into Michael Jordan. <laughs> what the hell was that? This well, a lot of people are giving points. credit to Phil Handy. But 29 points for Rui Hachimura, 5 of 6 from 3, 11 of 14 from the field. And, Mo, he was doing it three levels. He was scoring at three levels, which he never did for the Washington Wizards. I don't know what's happened and how they've unlocked him. But, Mo, somehow they did. I didn't know he had a fadeaway. He's always been like this a is, good mid-range guy. But where did that fadeaway come from? Five threes. This is the most threes he's ever made in his career in the NBA. I was shocked. The last time he made four threes was in 2021. I was looking this up during the game, Dave. I was shocked. Like, this is one of those things. He was hitting shot after shot after shot. And if you're the Lakers, 
it's a good thing they won because you can't waste this game. This is why we're leading with him. We may never have a game like this again in the playoffs. That was a phenomenal performance from Rui. And also, I thought he was really good defensively. I thought he did a good job for them on the defensive end. Helped kind of keeping them sort of the, the Grizzlies sort of bottled up. I was really impressed with his game tonight. No way in hell I think he can repeat that performance on Wednesday. <laughs> but this was a massive, massive up. Like, look, when he hit the first couple threes, I was like, oh, okay, Rui's having a good game. And then he started hitting the fadeaways and all of this stuff. It was wild, Dave. That was a massive performance. And that's kind of playoff basketball, right? Every now and then we're going to have a random dude in, on just one night going to go completely ballistic. And again, this one in a game one in a series where Ja Morant left this game hurt. And who knows if he's going to play game two. This was a pivotal win for the Lakers. And it really started, I thought, with Rui. Yeah, and they, they dominated. They dominated, Mo. Anthony Davis was plus 27 in those 37 minutes. He had seven blocks, 12 rebounds, three steals, 22 points. Got to talk about Austin Reeves, who in the fourth rolled off nine straight points. And now, like, the fourth guy would be LeBron. 21 points, 11 rebounds, five assists. That guy. Yeah, this was, I mean, this was (laughs) sort of what we've talked about with the Lakers down the stretch if they can make the shots, because they were generating looks down the stretch, you know, and and they hit 16 threes in this game. Malik Beasley didn't hit any of them, though. The guy that they brought in to be their shooter didn't hit any of them in this game. So, you know, I think if you're the Lakers, your your offensive game plan clearly worked. You you were hitting the open looks that, that Memphis was giving you. But defensively, you mentioned Rui playing well. They played big. They they played really big, and Anthony Davis was the biggest guy on the court, and that makes him play bigger for some reason. Well, I think this is, you know, this is a tough matchup for the the Grizzlies that are hurt, right? This would have been a good series for Brandon Clark, a good series to have Steven Adams to really kind of battle these guys and, and be big, and I think probably would change the complexion of the series here a little bit if those guys were healthy. But I think, you know, now it's just, AD versus Jaron Jackson Jr., who we got to talk about because he had a really good game. But I think it's just kind of a a, a battle in that scenario because Xavier Tillman, he's not a starting level big man, especially in a playoff series. Sorry, he's just not at that level. Maybe he'll get there down the road. He's not there now. And that's a problem for the, the Grizzlies. And they got to kind of start figuring those things out. I think this is a massive uh, situation for the Grizzlies. Like they got to have some real concerning stuff, even with a healthy Morant. They were small, and AD made them pay on every level, and I thought I was really impressed. Again, he was a monster in the paint defensively with seven blocks. You know, He did a good job crashing the boards. At one point, he was just crushing whoever they put on him, Tillman, Altadama, uh, anybody. It didn't matter. He was going to work on it. This was, a, like you said, a big performance for AD. Yeah, and he dominated the matchup with Jaron Jackson, and Jaron Jackson had a very nice game. You know, I mean, it was 31 points. It was a nice game, but Anthony Davis made him seem non-existent. It was one of those sorts of games. Desmond Bain had 22, but I'm looking ahead to game two. And, and, you know, we've talked a lot about the Grizzlies' resiliency throughout the regular season the last few years. You know, Ja misses time. They don't miss a beat. They have Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones likely would be the starter uh, at at point guard if Ja isn't available in game two. Um this is not the same Grizzlies team that's able to absorb that during the regular season. No Steven Adams, like you mentioned. No Brandon Clark. They don't have the depth. They don't have the offensive rebounding. They just don't have any of the muscle inside. They, you know, out-rebounded by the Lakers uh, by four on the offensive glass, seven overall. 
um, you know, or excuse me, 11 rebounds overall. And, and they just, they don't have the heft inside that they had. So now they need, like, they need Jaws offense. And I think this is where you're going to see the loss of Kyle Anderson really feel it. They're really going to feel it now. Because when you act the fact that there is a simple, uh, no, no more playmate. Like, who do you trust on this team to truly playmake? Right? Because it sure as hell ain't going to be Dylan Brooks. I don't <laughs> trust him to have the ball on offense at all. Um, unless maybe it's just strictly a catch and shoot scenario. But, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not a great playmaker as a big man. You, you know, Bain's good and he's improved, but he's not going to be enough to be your primary playmaker. Like, there, it's going to be a lot on Tyus Jones, and I'm not sure he can fully handle that and then have to deal with the Lakers defensively on the other end of the court because I felt like they took advantage of his size and tried to get him in bad matchups with what they were doing. I mean, listen, this is scary times for Memphis. To be honest, like, I would be really concerned right now. I didn't, I had the Memphis winning this series. I really did, but like, now you got to watch for it, and with two days off, so LeBron gets two days rest, and that also helps to see if they can get Morant back. But LeBron two days rested, like, hmm, I'm I'm concerned. They got the game they needed from their role players. I can see game two becoming a game of the stars, really go completely ballistic. All right, let's move on to the one seed in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. We mentioned already, Giannis only played 11 minutes in this game, and the Heat win 130-117. Thanks to 35 points from Jimmy Butler, who was just stellar in this game. I mean, this is playoff Jimmy Butler. Is he the new playoff Rondo? Like, is Jimmy Butler taking the mantle? Because he goes to a different level when it's playoff time. Yeah, no, he's absolutely insane. And I think the um, he's almost better than playoff Rondo. Oh, I mean, he's like, definitely this better. This is than like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I think like we, we, he's, He's kind of he's we should no longer use playoff Rondo as our baseline. <laughs> like playoff Jimmy is the thing here. Like this was just an unbelievable performance. He came through over and over again for this team, knocking down shots. He didn't even shoot it from three. The, we're gonna have to talk about Miami shooting threes in a moment. But I thought the big key of it and 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 Bagbroach kind of mentioned it, they did play fast. And what I really loved about them, what they did a bunch in this game, was as soon as they got the rebound, they looked for the kick ahead. And they started finding guys down the court immediately and getting, you know, it was Jimmy, it was Struess, it was those guys, bam, kind of making great outlet passes and good kick-ahead passes. Those were the key things there, I think, for this team tonight to really sort of help them steal game one. Well, let's talk about the three-point shooting because that was the big story for Miami. I mean, this is a team that was 27th in three-point shooting during the regular season, Mo. And they went 15 of 25 from three. Oh, it's very unsustainable because I'm going to read to you how, how I'm going to read some tweets for you from Zach Cram from the ringer. He tweeted two different tweets out. I want to, I want to read them to you. The heat outshot the bucks by 36 percentage points on threes in game one, 60% versus 24%. That is the third high, the third biggest margin in any game in playoff history, minimum 20, 20 attempts. Teams are now 39 and zero in the playoffs. When they win the three-point battle by 25% or more, make or miss lead. The second tweet, this is the important one. The Heat shot 18% better than their expected effective field goal percentage in game one per second spectrum, based on factors like shot location and shooter identity. The that's the biggest overperformance for any team in the playoffs in a playoff game over the last five postseasons, skipping the bubble. That right there, that's just the wildest stat right there, the way they overperformed. 
This is a team that struggled to shoot the ball for most of the season, got going a little bit towards the end. This was a massive, massive performance shooting from three, and it was in a game where they lost Tyler Hero, where he That's broke right. his arm, his hand. Yeah, uh, end of the second quarter, right before halftime, he he made a play diving for a ball, and he broke two fingers on his hand and then still took a shot afterwards, which is crazy because that is, you know, breaking a finger is incredibly well, painful. What was, what was funnier was him trying to run to the tunnel when they're like, no, 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 no. We haven't subbed you out yet. You got to get sorry, back on buddy, the court. Gotta, and I know you're in a lot shot. of pain, but you got to finish this last 30 seconds. Um, and he has been ruled out four to six weeks. So, um, uh, you know, he won't be back until the Heat make it to the finals. Well, um, which if, you, if you're judging on one game, they certainly look like they would be the favorites. But I don't expect them to shoot 60% from the field, much less 60% from three against the Bucs again. But let's swing it to the Bucs because – they also just did not play good offense in this game. 11 of 45 from three. So they give up a ton. They don't make many. Uh, but no Giannis just creates so much more space. Their defense was just not as good as it needed to be in this game. I mean, their defense was one thing. Offensively, I think your entire game plan kind of goes out the window when you lose not just your best player, but possibly the best player in the NBA. Ten, you know, 10 minutes is all you get from him. I think then you're in a scramble situation. I think this is one of those things that you're really flustered, mostly if you're the Bucks in terms of like, crap, like how do we kind of get these things going? All these things we worked on for the past week are now out the window. And now you're trying to figure out where to get going and how to find a rhythm and, and flow to a lot of things. It just, for the Bucks, it, it, it put them in a difficult position. And as good as Chris Middleton is, as good as Drew Holiday is and Lopez, I felt like they were a bit out of sync. I'm more excited to see what they're, how they respond to game two if Giannis isn't able to go because I think you'll see a better offensive performance from them because, because they'll have a better idea of a game plan of how to attack. I think that's one of those things. But this is now a series. We don't know what's the situation with Giannis, how, if he's going to be able to go game two or, 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 or miss more than that. Like This is now kind of a battle because you said it started this whole thing. Playoff Jimmy's here. That's right. All right, let's swing through the rest of the games. The Nuggets held on by 29 points to beat beat the Timberwolves in game one. The Nuggets looked like a legit one seed, Mo. Yeah, they looked like a legit one seed, and if they could play Memphis, excuse me, Minnesota the rest of the way through the playoffs, yeah, they're going to look like a legit one seed. I think Minnesota's gassed to a degree. Forget just, you know, having to win the second uh, playing game. I think they just emotionally had a lot going on. We even saw a little bit of a scuffle with Kyle Anderson and Christian Braun, uh, Brian Brown. 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 Damn it, the, the, the name thing, They're killing me. Help me out, Brown. Um, I think sort of, uh, you know, kind of just showed there was a little, little bit of uh, um, angst, and I think those are the kinds of things that happen when you're a little emotionally fatigued and and things like that. It's been a tough week for them. Yeah, just a week yeah. ago, one teammate tough, punched the other. It's been a tough year for them, I think. I mean, they, remember they just had the flu, the stomach flu just ripped through that team. So you know they're all they're all a little ornery. I think. I, I think it's just they're all ready for this year to be done. Uh, the Sixers beat the Nets one twenty one one hundred one. James Harden had twenty three and thirteen. Sixers look pretty good, and, and the Nets, you know, they're fine. They're they're just not good enough to to hang with the Sixers. The Celtics look like. Way better than the Hawks. The Hawks have no hope in that series. 112-99, the Celtics won that. Rob Williams, I thought, looked very spry. And the Knicks take game one over the Cavaliers and steal home court advantage, just as we all expected. Yeah, no, I mean, listen, give give the Knicks credit. That was a fun game. 
that was one of those games that if we didn't have so many other close games or interesting games to talk about, we'd be discussing that one. Uh, the Knicks really, they also almost blew it at the very end. Like they really tried to give it <laughs> yeah. away in the last few minutes um, with, with just kind of their inability to kind of play a uh, uh, solid offense and some dumb decisions across the board. But Jalen Brunson was unbelievable in that game and he really carried them to that win. Yeah. I mean, it just, I just think about what that guy would look like, you know, if he was in a place like Dallas, you know, Ugh. how good could the Mavericks be? I couldn't be if imagine they had a Jalen Brunson. I couldn't, I can't imagine it, Dave. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Daily Ding, folks. Appreciate you guys listening, and thanks for hanging out on YouTube. Don't forget, we are live on YouTube post-game all playoff long, so come and join us over there. Get in on the comments. Mo and I are going to hang out, I think, do some Q&A for a couple minutes, uh, but if you're listening at home, thank you guys for listening. For Mo Keel, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.